Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to another episode of 30 Minutes with DailyStraits.com. I am your host, Jung Ram Lee. Our guest today is David Chem, the founder of MindChamps, a leading education movement that has taken the world by storm. David's story of going from rags to riches is truly inspiring and his champion mindset has helped him build a highly successful brand in the competitive Singapore preschool space. MindChamps has now expanded to over eight countries and it has caught the attention of best-selling author Joseph A. Micheli, who describes it as a calling, a revolution, and a movement. David's background in the arts and his best-selling books, including Deeper Than the Ocean, The Three Mind Revolution, and Trinity Leadership have helped him become a highly sought-after speaker and leader in the education industry. Join us as we learn more about David's incredible journey and the Mind Champs movement. Thank you for joining us today. How are you, David? I'm very good, Jun. How are you today? <laughs> I'm super well. Thank you for asking. So let's dive right into the question. So David, um, you have a very interesting background. So can you tell us in your own words, your Rex to Riches story and how it inspired you to create Mind Champs? <laughs> um, look, Jun, I'm um, I can tell you the part about the rags, but I'm not sure about the riches. <laughs> um, look, uh, we did arrive, um, you know, I did come to Australia in back in 1978 um, as both refugees from Vietnam. Um, and, you know, yes, we did arrive um, with absolutely, literally nothing. Uh, you know, and I still remember the very first time, you know, we stood on Australian soil, you know, land in Australia. Um, it was an extremely emotional moment for my family, as you can imagine, um, through the whole escape and um, the whole journey on the boat. Um, and but finally, when we made it to Australia and stood on Australian soil, um, you know, my dad was quite emotional. And he said this, and this left a huge impact on me as a nine-year-old. And at nine years old, you, you remember everything. Um, you know, um, this was a very powerful moment for me. And dad said that, um, you know, when we stood on the Australian soil, finally, he was quite emotional. He said, you know, for every one of us that made it, uh, someone died. Uh, and those were the real stats um, of the refugees who they could count that made it. In fact, you know, uh, there were many lost at sea that never made it. Um, and the real stats were that. that um, in fact, um, the stats are that about only 47% made it. Um, and so when dad said that to me, I, you know, it left a huge, deep impression on me in terms of my, which form a very important mindset. That is, um, you know, you know, it, it literally said that it's our rebirth, that the fact that we are here, is, it's a rebirth. Um, and so it left a deep mindset that said to me that um, whatever I was going to be doing, you know, uh, number one, it had to contribute to mankind, and um, there's a reason why you're here. Uh, and um, you know, because you could have not been here. We we had many relatives who, who didn't make it, and so you know. Uh, and then then it also left a very deep mindset to do to be grateful, mm. just just to be grateful for everything that we have every day. Um, in fact, I always say this 
to our team at MindChamp. So every day, every day, you know, we are we're actually living in somebody's dream, you know. And um, some people say, well, really, David? Oh, you know, last week I had a terrible week, you know, life's not been good. And I say, but whatever it is, we're living in somebody else's dream. And they said, no, you know, and I said, well, look, look, let me ask you this question. Um, you know, when, when you woke up this morning, um, in fact, I can ask you, June. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, when, when, when you woke up this morning, what, what, what was one of the first things that you did when you woke up? One of the first things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right, actually. I'm not like, yeah, a lot of people are not grateful enough for yeah. what they have. <laughs> yes. And you see, <laughs> see most, most of us wake up and one of the first things we do is we go to the bathroom, go to the toilet. Yes. <laughs> and I always say, well, when you went to the toilet this morning, um, how did you get there? Um, and I would say, well, you know, I said, what do you, they said, what do you mean? I said, well, how did you get to the toilet from your, from your, from the bed to the toilet? How did you get there? And they said, well, you know, I, I walked there. Ah, you walked there. Ah, you actually just walked to the toilet. I said, well, you know, we have one of our team members at MindChamps. He's an incredible person. But since he was two, you know, since he was two, his family missed out just one vaccine over six 60 years ago and he got polo and he got polio and for the last 60 years he's been in a wheelchair his whole life i'm sure that uh, every day his parents would have prayed and wished if their son could just walk to the bathroom on his own uh, that would be a dream come true so i look so that mindset of never taking anything for granted kind of left a very very strong impressions that i've always been grateful for everything um, that we do and I, so much so that when i went to um the on my first day at school in sydney in australia at um Kapamata west primary school um I remember I, I, I didn't speak a word of English, literally, not even hello. And um, on that day when I started, it was um, in the middle of winter when we arrived in Australia, so it was freezing cold for us. We've never experienced, you know, even smoke coming out of our mouths. And so <laughs> and uh, so I remember being on first day of school, teacher came in and she asked me, what is your name? I was the only student starting on this day. And um, she wanted to introduce me to the class. And I just sat there and froze and, and and looked at her. I was so nervous. Didn't understand what she was saying. So she started to use sign language. My name, Miss, I still remember her name, Miss Cadogan. You are. Um, and um, I was so nervous, I just sat down and froze. And then this young girl turned and said to me in my language, she said, she pulled my arm, she said, hey, psst, teacher's asking you, what's your name, stupid? <laughs> yes. And, you know, I remember when she said that, I, 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 I was so nervous, I started crying. And, and then I thought, wow, just because I don't speak the language, doesn't mean you know I'm stupid, and and then in that moment I thought, wow. My dad also said one other thing, and he said that we love you so much, but the only thing we can ever give you is education and the right education. He said that you know all the things we give you can be taken away from you just like that. The only thing we can give you that no one can take away is your education, you know, and. We came from a place where everything was taken away from us overnight. That's why we escaped. And um, so, wow. So, you know, when that girl said that word and my dad had left that deep impression that how important it is So I, it, for education, I, I thought, wow, I'm going to learn. I mean, every day in class, I was constantly hungry to learn. I was just... And every minute I wanted to learn and learn and learn. And if I didn't know something, I would ask. And um, so, yeah, I mean, um, that left a very strong impre impression, an imprint in my mind. And I would say to this day, it formed kind of the, the blueprint, the imprint for my 
who I am, which is why I'm so passionate about education. Um, and, you know, what education does, uh, you know. And then I realized that, however, that education for years was focusing, I would say, there's a gap in the story of education globally. Um, and that's why, you know, uh, I started to want to fill in this gap, you know. But it kind of, the roots of all that came back all the way since my first day at school and, you know, what my dad had always, you know, you know deeply, you know, imprinted in my mind. That is, to be grateful, to be so keen to learn, but at the same time, what education does. Um, and, and in fact, I, I share this um, as a, as a, you know, of all, through all my life, of all the things I've ever, you know, attained or achieved, or one of the proudest moments was, you know, at the end of that year, 1978, uh, in Capramatta West Primary School. By the end of that year, um, guess which student topped the class? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I, you know, I remember being given the certificate, which I still have, you know, I keep it safely, um, 1978 for topping that class. And then that's why I still remember my teacher's name, you know. Um, and that was a moment that, you know, I wanted to make my parents very proud, you know. Um, and I think that mindset continued throughout my whole life. Um, so much so that even when I went to, um, you know, from from there, I went on to uh, work in the movie, in the theater world. Uh, my mind was always about how can I keep on learning and keep on learning. Um, yeah. So I hope does that kind of help. Yeah, you know? very, very beautiful answer <laughs> and very um, a great answer. Okay, so how did you build a successful brand in Singapore? Because uh, mm. and it's also a very um, in a preschool space. So mm. you're from uh two different countries and then you why did you like go to mm. singapore like what was mm. the thinking behind that yes. and i also spoke to other business people before they said starting up in singapore is not easy but you you managed to go through all the hurdles and you've got a successful brand there mm. so give us give us the whole lowdown like why first why you went there and how you did this yeah well, look, great question. Why Singapore? Um, especially since we started, actually, we, Mindchamp started in 1998 uh, as a very small, tiny, like I, I, when I say small, I mean small, uh, because we had nothing when we started, uh, research, you know, uh, team center in Sydney in 98. Um, so people always ask me, why Singapore when you started the research there? And I realized, in fact, in education, globally, we kind of been putting things a bit upside down. First and foremost, and in society, uh, we always been thinking that oh, university is everything. You know, for example, if I ask most people today, what are the top brands of universities around the world? You know, what are the number one, two, three brands? Your mind is already preoccupied. That space is taken. True. Um, for example, you know, um, what brands comes to your mind in university? Well, I'm sure brands like Harvard, Oxford, MIT comes to your mind. True. They already yeah. pre occupy your space why? because society we've been saying university is everything in education well in fact we've been putting this upside down in society what i saw was this is a huge gap you know 
Um, and in 98, when we, you know, looking at this, I thought that, wow, in the 21st century where AI, chat GPT, three and four, now part of our life, the world is no longer about the what you learn, it's about how you learn, the craft of learning, how you learn, and the mindset of the learner, the what. When we went to school five days a week, the what is is gone. And in fact, AI can outdo us in the what and even in thinking. But the mindset of the learner is far more critical. So we should be nurturing mindset, not just what you learn. And so guess what? Uh, research shows that the child's mindset between zero and six is the most critical time. So therefore, if it's about nurturing mindset, you can't just switch on like a tap or switch a person's mindset when they're 19 years old. Why aren't you more, why, you know, why aren't you more creative, confident? Why don't you have what our research shows is the champion mindset. Why don't you have that? Um, now this has got to be nurtured from young. And so we realized that when we did this research to take it to the world, we wanted to test it in one of the most rigorous, you're right, John. Singapore is, especially in the, the early childhood education space, you know, it's the most rigorous. And in fact, in terms of the Singapore's ranking in education globally, in the PISA test every year, yeah, globally. Singapore ranks up there, number one in top in maths and science, yeah, right up there. Why? Because it is one of the most rigorous, highs of standards uh, and most competitive landscape. And apart from that, if you know, Singapore is a very small country. So therefore, you know, as a brand, uh, if you don't make it, everybody knows immediately. Um, and so why Singapore? I thought, wow, if we're gonna tell this story to the world and create a new model of education. Um, I wanted to test it. Test it in the most rigorous, most competitive, you know, highs of standards environment. I thought because Singapore, apart from being that, it's also the gateway. Geographically, Singapore is the gateway to the East and the West. Ah, and in fact, the world, the Middle East as well. Yeah? Um, and, you know, Singapore also, as most people would know, English is the first language with Chinese as the main second language, yeah? Um, and so it is truly the gateway. And that's why I thought, let's, let's really test this in Singapore. Because if we can't make it there, then, you know, how can we say we're gonna create a world movement, yeah? Um, and so it was quite clear. In fact, the, um, when I, you know, decided on that, I remember the professor, our chair of research, Professor Alan Snyder, who at the time was um, the 150th chair of the University of Sydney. Uh, he's a world-renowned neuroscientist, Professor Alan Snyder. Uh, and I said to him, let's, um, let's test this in Singapore. And remember he said this. He said, David, you know, and especially, you know, he, he, uses, he used this concept 2,000 years ago. Yeah, if you want to test something, you test it in Rome, you know, in Rome, <laughs> yes. Um, and he said, Singapore, you know, in the 21st century, especially education, it's Rome, <laughs> yes. Um, and so it was very clear. We said, if we're gonna prove this model to the world, let's do it in Singapore. And then from there, we would then take it to the world, which is what we're doing now, well, you know, in, 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 in this space. We're now in, you know, eight other countries and we're actually not just in Australia uh, as well, but we're also now in the US, yeah. Awesome, okay. So what makes MindChamp different from other preschool and enrichment centers in the market? So you did mention just now a bit, uh, mm. but what is your unique selling, like what is the unique yeah. selling point, you know? Yes, yeah, well, that's, um, 
Look, first and foremost, um, when I saw that there was a gap in education globally, okay, and there's a gap within the gap, and the first gap is that education, as you know, since the Industrial Revolution, there was no formal school system until the Industrial Revolution. Yeah, first and foremost, yeah. And at that time, education was about pouring information into the child's brain. And um, in fact, the, only the rich got educated prior to that. And the peasants were just the laborers, yeah, before the Industrial Revolution. Um, and in fact, most people were illiterate. They couldn't even read and write. Did you know that back then, society used to think that to read and write, you have to have a certain IQ. But that's not correct. Every child, the brain is amazing. Every child can learn to read and write. You don't have to have a certain IQ. But back then, yeah, the peasants were illiterate, couldn't even read and write. And so when the Industrial Revolution came, yeah, society changed. And obviously, we said, oh, we need to form a school system so that let's teach them to read and write. And the more facts they have, the more, obviously, you know, smarter uh, they would be for society uh, to be competitive. And then the, that was the 19th century. By the 20th century, there was another major revolution in the world. And that's when we call the information revolution, where computers came. And obviously, the world of, you know, internet. And so suddenly we said, oh, content, drilling the child's information in their brain is no longer enough because you can put the information in the computer and it's everywhere. So now curriculum around the world said, well, we need to start thinking correctly. Yeah, not just content, but to nurture thinking. Um, at Mindchamps, we thought, wow, 21st century, as I mentioned earlier, in the world of AI, and in our book, The Three Mind Revolution, mm -hmm. we coined this concept that the 21st century is the world, is a century of the mind. If the 19th century was a century of the machines, and 20th century was a century of the computers, 21st century is a century of the mind. We need to, to nurture the mindset. Because in the world of AI, you know, AI can out already outthink the world's number one chess player. Yeah. Now, so when we started, we thought, wow, we need to solve this global problem, this gap, to teach not the what, but the how, not the content, not just even the thinking, but the mindset as well. Okay? And so with that in mind, we actually did empirical studies and research on three areas. Uh, because we thought, what kind of mindset should we be nurturing in the 21st century. So let's say if a child comes to a preschool today, they're only like you know, two years old. By the time they face the real world, when they finish preschool, primary school, high school, yeah, do a basic diploma degree, that's almost 20 years time. What year would that be? That would be the year, wow, 2000, as you know, 2043. Oh. Now, the question is what kind of, what kind of world would that be? Even futurists can't predict that completely, but we can say what kind of what kind of mindset do you need in that world to be competitive. You need to have the champion mindset. You have to have the creative mind. You have to have the learning mind, and not just what you learn, but how you learn. You have to know the craft of learning and love learning constantly. In fact, Alvin Toffler, um, when we first you know came across this book called Future Shock, Alvin Toffler, who is a futurist said this, and I think, but having said that, I think education system around the world kind of missed this, what he was trying to say. And he said this, he said that the illiterate of the 21st century are not those who cannot read and write. 
He said the illiterate of the 21st century are those who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. Mm -hmm. ah. Now, in the world of AI, that is so relevant. What did he mean? And then when I saw that, I thought, wow. From our perspective at MindChamps, when Toffler said the illiterate are not those who can learn, I don't think it's about what you learn. The content is everywhere. Everybody has it. It's about how you learn. It's the art of learning itself. The system didn't teach us that. Then you can keep on loving to learn. So the second part, when he said unlearn and relearn, well, what is, what's it is that about? That's about mindset. The mindset of the learner. Because if your mindset is not right, there is no unlearning and therefore no relearning. And so when he said learn, unlearn, and relearn, I said that's about how you learn and about the mindset of the learner. So that's what the DNA of MindChamps began with, the research of that. And so we said, what kind of mindset do children need? We said there were three minds, the champion, the creative, and the learning. So what separates us from every other, sincerely, I can say this sincerely, we, in fact, this year, since we started in 98, is our 25th year, you know, Jubilee Silver Anniversary. Yes. Um, and this has been that long. We said we must, if we're going to create a revolution in new model of education, um, we have to have true, real, substantial research, empirical, primary research in the three areas of how to nurture the mind in the area of the champion, the creative, and learning. In fact, uh, the champion mindset research was based on Prof. Snyder, you know, Prof. Alan Snyder's research, and that was undone during the Sydney Olympics. Yeah. Uh, it's part of the Olympic event itself, and it was done again during the Beijing Olympics. So the Sydney Olympics campaign, which Prof. Snyder you know, chaired and hosted, was called What Makes Champions? What Makes a Champion? And um, you know, we wanted to study champions from five areas, business, politics, arts, sports, and science. What is that ingredient that separates these people who make breakthroughs in these five fields in society? So we had people like Mandela, you know, that incredible Mandela, uh, to the people like Branson, yeah, to the Ian Thorpe's of the world, you know, Olympics people who make broke world records, to artistic people who won international prizes in art and Nobel Prize in winners. What is it that separates these people who make breakthroughs? And it's not just talking about success, yeah? We're not just talking about success in society, success. Oh, you know, you became a lawyer, doctor, and then they're successful. No, no, we, we, we weren't interested in that. We were, to, we were looking at what is that mindset, that ingredient that separates these people who make world breakthroughs. And that was the, you know, the beginning of the study of the champion mindset. So mind champs, we are truly the only organization globally that has that empirical research to then go on to create the, from the research to the practical application of how do you bring and nurture the champion mindset in young children because that is the time. Mm -hmm. A child's mindset is already formed. Yeah? Um, and so how do you nurture it from young and not wait until we become adults and try and switch out? Yeah? <laughs> so that's what separates us. And then the research of the creative and the learning mind Form the, what we call the three minds. And um, we actually wrote and penned a book called The Three Mind Revolution about that. Um, and you know, I suppose years later, that's why um, you mentioned earlier Dr. Joseph A. Michelli, who is New York Times number one and, and Wall Street Journal bestselling author. And it, you know, he studied 
companies like Mercedes-Benz, Ritz-Carlton, Starbucks, you know, Airbnb, and he, and when he got to know about our research and our approach to education, uh, and he investigated us for about ten years, he then, you know, wanted to write a book, and I was just so blown away when he wanted to write the book about, you know, mind champs, and he called it the mind champs way, uh, and and held us as an education movement for the twenty first century. But the origins of all that came from substantial research. And it's about, as I mentioned, nurturing the child's mindset, not just the content or the thinking. That's a given. Any school of today, anybody, any Tom, Dick and Harry can set up their own early learning center, childcare, preschool, if they want to, anywhere in the world. That's fact. And often when they do that, they would, um, and here's what most people do when they set up a preschool business. Uh, they will put, you know, on their website, they've, they've got great curriculum. Because nobody says they've got bad curriculum. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then they always say that they've got, you know, obviously research, which they kind of like cut and paste <laughs> from somewhere. Yeah. But Mind Champs were very, very big on that. That everything we do, the child's mind during this phase, and we even tell, all of our teachers who go through extensive up to 200 hours of training regardless of their formal qualifications we we insist on this mandatory training uh, because they have to learn the latest research how to nurture the child yeah. um, and so we're very big on making sure that the entire curriculum is based on solid research and training yeah. if you have the research how can you turn that into practical application and how can you train the teachers to bring it to life consistently? Mm -hmm. uh, that's the, the key. Yeah? Uh, without that, it's just all research that sits on a shelf. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. That's a very good, very good explanation. So, okay. So, so I just need to ask this question. So how has your, I think you've already answered this, but I wanted to ask you, what are your plans for your future growth? So you mentioned a lot about AI, chat, GPT. So in the journalism world, like mm. companies like BuzzFeed, mm. they just got rid of their journalists. Mm. I read it. They got a bunch of journalists uh, uh, laid off and they're going to replace them with chat GPT. Yeah. So I don't know about your business because your business is, uh, is dealing with a lot of people. Like you need educators and then mm. your, your, your customers uh, your end customers are children. Yes. So do you think your mm. business, basically the preschool business, will have uh, will be impacted by this uh, revolution, yeah. this AI revolution that's coming yeah. on? Yeah. Mm. Yes, yeah. Look, um, and that is a great question, June, and you're right. You know, in many industries, uh, AI, you know, general AI would, will disrupt. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, in fact, I am... Um, I gave a talk during the pandemic, uh, you know, one of the major banks, um, uh, I, I gave a talk at one of their forums and uh, one of the questions that they asked me was, they said, uh, David, uh, disruption, which is what you're referring to. Um, in this case, it's real, you know, AI disruption. Um, they said, um, you know, disruption, is it a good or bad word in business? <laughs> yes. Um, and, you know, I said, um, well, in fact, it's uh, to, to me, it's neither good or bad. Disruption yeah, is life. Yeah, it's part of life. It's neither good or bad, it's life. 
And if you're an entrepreneur, you need to be prepared, you know, for anything that comes. Uh, however, disruption is only not good if you're not prepared. Mm. Yeah. Now, whatever, I mean, the pandemic hit the whole world. Every business went through it, sure. Uh, everybody went through it. Um, now, those countries that are more prepared than others, yeah, well, the disruption is not as bad. Mm. However, disruption is life. So therefore, as entrepreneurs, we need to make sure that we are absolutely not just prepared, but deeply prepared you know, for all the disruptions that are coming, and that's already here. And AI is just one of them. Yeah. Um, so within our industry, look, having said that, you know, uh, how do you know, how do you prepare your team members uh, readiness for disruption? Well, apart from many, many strategies that any company can put in place, but really it's about mindset. In fact, uh, one of the talks that I, 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 um, I gave as well was about, you know, how during the pandemic, how does one company thrive and another fold? Why? Yeah, and I think I really think it's about the mindset. How we prepare and nurture the mindset of our people to be resilient, to be absolutely creative, to be able to, with a hundred percent respect, you know, uh, understand the depth of things, but zero fear, to to create something uniquely different, to create mm -hmm. something from nothing, where others see nothing. How do we create something that others see nothing? To create to see opportunities as a mindset to see opportunities when others see you know uh, all the obviously the disrupt the disruption the bad things but during those times how do you see opportunities and so ultimately how do you prepare it's about mindset got to nurture that mindset you know, once we nurture that mindset no matter what comes to you know us in life especially our children we can't predict what the year 243 is going to be like. But those who have the champion, the creative, and the mind, the you know, learning mind deeply already nurtured from young, they're resilient, they're confident, they're not, you know, they have that, like I mentioned, 100% respect to understand things deeply. That's another key thing. To respect things, to understand it deeply, so you can go wide. But there are a lot of, a lot of you know, young people today who want to go wide and just challenge things quickly without understanding the depth. That's a mindset. So at Mind Champs, we nurture that. That part of the champion mindset is to nurture the philosophy of 100% respect first. To respect everything. Respect other, other people's you know, ideas and perspectives. To respect the universe, to respect everything. But at the same time, to have zero fear to celebrate what is uniquely you. Um, now, if every child can, from, you know, in our preschools, by the time they get to primary school, they have the confidence when they go to primary school. If they don't know something, they, they have the confidence to ask with respect. Yeah. And then have zero fear to be able to take what they've learned to create, to synthesize it, and to make it uniquely them. Now, so in our space, nurturing young children from young, fortunately, I would say that most parents probably wouldn't want an AI. Mm -hmm look after your two-year-old <laughs> yes yeah um, now having said that though the content in education yeah i believe ai will be able to yeah, teach that faster mm -hmm. the content uh, okay 
the basic fundamental content and skills. However, what AI will be very, very difficult for AI to do is what the human beings we do. That's why 25 years ago I said education, 21st century, is not about the content. It's about nurturing the mindset and the values. You, know, you values and that human connection. You still need a, a real human being to be your child's teacher. Yeah, uh, that's so critical. Um, so in our space, I believe that you know, it's it's still critical to have real human beings to nurture young children. But by the time they get to primary school, the basics and fundamental concepts of math and science of that, I believe AI would be able to really teach that so well. Yeah. So teachers, therefore, should be teaching mindset and values, not so much just the fundamental content. I just wanted to ask you, so I did a bit of research about you and I've was very surprised to find that you're a filmmaker. So, um, and you actually went to Afters in Sydney, if I'm not mistaken, right? Did you take a, yeah. so yeah. So, okay, so yeah. how did that background in the arts influence your work in education? Because they're two mm. different things. And how did you incorporate that experience of filmmaking into the uh, MindChamps curriculum yes well look you've done your homework <laughs> um <laughs> yeah <laughs> look you're right um and um you, uh, and, you know great question you, you you're also right that i my background in both theater and the film the cinema world um has you know massively influenced uh, how i see uh, education um but you know why yeah uh, in fact um in the, um, 1984 this is how my career in the acting world started yeah um, in 1984 wow that's a long time ago that's that's oh about 30 39 no, years ago yes yeah. <laughs> yes uh, yes um i was 14 so you know you know my age now <laughs> yes um and um in fact in 1984 in australia back then there were there was no asian that had ever been Casted in a, you know, cast in a starring role, and um, so 1984, uh, I was the first Asian Australian casted to star in a drama series, yeah. um, and, um, and so that shifted my whole paradigm in life. Yeah, because um, before, prior to that, my dad had always said I was going to be a doctor. <laughs> yes, um, and and it, that was a very different, you know, you know different direction. But so 14, when I got casted in that role, my whole mind and world opened up to something very different. And I got to learn at 14 you know, the entire professional world of storytelling. Um, in fact, I was so hungry to learn. I loved it so much. I loved the notion of being able to tell stories to the world that could make a difference. Um, and as you know, as I shared earlier, at nine years old, you know, I really wanted to, you know, everything that I was going to do, I wanted to make a difference. Um, and so I thought, wow, through storytelling, such a powerful way to be able to really reach human beings and tell stories to make a difference. Yeah. Um, now, so when I then finished my uh, HSC in Sydney, uh, I didn't go to medical school, I went to acting school. Mm. <laughs> it wasn't easy to tell my dad. <laughs> yes. Um, as you know, we came as refugees, and obviously, he would have wanted me to, at that time, you know, for in society's terms, go and do medicine, sure. 
I'll become a doctor. Um, so when I told dad I was going to study acting, it was a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I even had to wait until I auditioned and got into the school before I told him. Because um, just because you get the marks, mm -hmm. if you get the marks, you can get into medical school. But just because you, can, you get the marks doesn't mean you get into acting school. <laughs> yes. Because every year they audition 30 and they take, you know, and I remember they audition all around Australia and New Zealand to take 30 students every year. And um, so I had to wait until I got in. And with pride, because of my private experience, I managed to get into that school, um, and it was called the, the Theatre Nopin. Um, and so I studied that first. Uh, it was a you know Bachelor of uh, Theatre, you know, performing arts. So I studied acting first, and then after that, I realized that, there were, that I want to go deeper. So I went to the uh, the University of Technology in Sydney, and studied, um, did a Bachelor of um, Communication and majored in film, yeah, uh, in cinema. And then after that, you're right, I then went to do, uh, I went to the Australian Film, Television and Radio School and graduated there in 95. Yeah? So I studied both acting and behind the camera, you know, producing, writing, directing, to understand the craft of filmmaking. Yeah? Um, and in fact, it was in 95 when I was at the film school that I had the epiphany, the intellectual epiphany for wanting to set up and, and, and tell the story in education. Mm. And in that uh, year, uh, I remember the first uh, day at the film school, the head of the school came in and he said this to us. He said, congratulations, you're here because you have talent. Mm. Uh, and he said, but now that you're here, park your talent somewhere else. We're not interested in your talent. No. And I thought, what's that about? And he said, now that you're here, you're here to learn the craft. Mm. He said, it's the craft that will lift your talents to heights you never realize. He said, talent, there's lots of people with talent. And those who rely on mere talent will eventually max out. Mm. He said, it's the craft. He said, no one achieved greatness without learning the craft. And I thought, wow. That's the link. That was when I had the intellectual epiphany. I thought, wow, we spend five days a week at school. Yeah. If you think about it, in primary school, high school, we spend five days a week, every day, five days a week at school, we learned the what to learn. The system never taught us the craft, the art of learning how to learn. Now, that's why so many children, because I used to contemplate this, why there's so many people who go to 12 years of schooling and fail the very fundamental subjects like maths, yeah, and still hate numbers to this very day. And I said, uh, yet maths is exactly the same. You do the same thing, you get the same result. Algebra hasn't changed for the last 50 years. <laughs> and yet the students who still fail, wow, maybe we got drilled in the what, but we never learned the craft of learning how to. So when the, the head of the school said that to me at the film school, he left a very big intellectual epiphany for me. That's when I thought, education, there's a gap. This story needs to be told. And in fact, I wanted to tell the story of, you know, that story at first, at the beginning, I wanted to tell it as a documentary. Yeah. Uh, and then when I did deep research into this and interviewed a lot, a lot of people from education, like the professors of education about this, I realized, wow, education has been living in its own silo. That is in society. Why are there gaps? Because sometimes we operate all in silos. Mm. And I mean, even within education, for example, do you remember when we were school studying mathematics? Mm -hmm. um, we study not only is English separate, you know, science separate, maths is separate, art is over there, you know, everything's in silo. We never saw the connections. 
But even within mathematics, we study maths in silos. You finish one topic, oh, algebra, finish. Move on to the next topic. Whether you understood this topic or not, you just move on to, let's say, geometry. In geometry, you go to trigonometry. But we never saw the relationship. We saw everything in silos. So when I started to research this as a documentary, I think, wow, this story is even deeper. Um, and to solve this problem, I couldn't solve this just by telling one documentary. Even if we make a great documentary, yeah, the world's still not going to change. I thought, we need to, we need to create a new model of education. And to solve this in the education system globally, we need to create a new model using four domains, not just the silo of education. Why? Because when I study theater and cinema, I realized the tool of engagement is critical. And I thought, wow, education and theater eventually, essentially, it's about the same thing. It's about engagement. Yes. You know, but education, when I interview a lot, a lot of the teachers, they didn't understand and learn the craft of engagement the way that we in the theater and the cinema world had to learn. You can have the best script, best curriculum. Yeah. In the world of theater, it's called the script. In the world of education, it's called the curriculum. You can take Shakespeare's Hamlet. It's a great script, great curriculum. We know that if we give it to one teacher, the child can either be bored, <laughs> yes, same script, same curriculum, or give it to another teacher, another director, and they can bring it to life in a way that engages you and you love and you learn so much. And Shakespeare, you realize, was an incredible philosopher that taught us many things, things about life and humanity. Wow. So that's when I thought, ooh, you can take the same script, different director, totally different outcome. You can take the same curriculum, algebra, different teacher. You can either hate maths or love it and it's part of your life. That's when I saw the parallel. Ooh. And so I thought, but we must bring two other worlds to bring this to life. And because I came from the arts, you know, not from the business background or the education background. I thought to tell this story, we better tell this with real substance of latest scientific research. Otherwise, they might think, you know, we're a bit artifarty. <laughs> yes. And so I thought we must back this with the latest research in education, latest research in the second domain, psychology. In society, we thought to educate, we must understand behavior. But then there's another gap. I thought to understand behavior, most teachers that I interviewed didn't know enough about neuroscience. The brain science, what is the latest research show about how the child's brain processes information and forms mindsets? Oh, rather than blaming the child and say, oh, you know, why are you so, you know, disruptive in class? And you, well, perhaps they're because they're not engaged. Mm. When you think, like, for example, you, say, you show children all around the world, a movie like uh, Coco. You've seen Coco? Yeah, yeah. Amazing, yeah? Uh, you know, you show children a movie like Coco, yeah. and the kids are engaged. You don't need to tell be quiet, sit down, shut up. <laughs> uh, why? Because when the human mind is engaged, curiosity is at its optimum. And the high state of learning is curiosity. 
So when a child's mind is engaged and curious, yeah. they love learning. And when we teach them the right method of learning, yeah, the craft of learning, the art of learning, not drooling until they hate it, suddenly they love learning and their mindset is very different to learning. Their relationship to learning becomes very, very strong. And so I thought, wow, my background in theater and cinema taught me that ultimately you can have the best script if you don't engage, which is what the work of the director does. You can give the same script, you can take the same novel, Lord of the Rings, you give it to a different director, it could be a flop. Yeah? You give it to Peter Jackson, even though it's more than three hours, people engage. <laughs> yes? Uh, and, and so I realized, that, wow, there's incredible parallels, but we must back it up with research. Research in psychology, in brain, neuroscience, research in education, but we bring the world of theater, which is the final domain, the four as one. So when we train, I mentioned earlier that when we train our teachers, this is why all teachers must go through the Mind Champs way of training, yeah? um, regardless of their formal background and qualifications in teaching. Uh, and so this is what makes us uniquely us. And we're actually the only group globally that synthesizes using these four domains. Yeah? Um, and from that, I was able to bring that together and then my, in a way, my learning uh, as a producer in the, in the, you know, the movie world helped me a lot. Uh, and the first thing I had realized is if you want to tell this story to the world, create a new education model, uh, you've got to really, really have the substance of a powerful, what's it about script? What's it about script? Your business, what's it about? Yeah. What's the soul of it? What's it about? And then stay focused on telling that story. And then you've got to cast the right people. <laughs> yes. Um, so and that's where leadership, I realized, wow, to build any company, yeah, you've, got to have, you've got to learn the craft of leadership. You've got to okay. learn the craft of leadership because until you have great leadership in any organization, and any organization is a reflection of its leader. Um, and so we're very big on that. We actually create a unique model of training for leaders at MindChamps. And now we, we actually have a few thousand of us around the world, but it comes back to the fundamental of leadership as an entire team globally. Yeah. Um, okay. Awesome. Okay. So I am very interested in knowing where you got your first, um, your, you know, um, I know a lot of filmmakers and they don't make much money. So they, because you know, it's a hard, it's a hard gig. You either make it or you don't. And some <laughs> of them you have second jobs because, you know, filmmaking is a very hard business. So you have gone and done that and gone to Singapore, like a very hard country to start a business. Mm. So can you just tell me, right, where did you get the money? Like, you know, in Singapore, everything is money. And then where did you get your first, um, how to say, um, yeah, money to start the business, basically. <laughs> bank loan or did your family give you money? What is the backstory on that? Yeah, look, we, we really did start with very, very little, almost nothing. Yeah. And, um, I mean, and, and it's interesting you compare it to the movie world because um, it's about how can you create a great script. Uh, and then suddenly when you have a great script, you find the right people who's prepared to invest in you. Yeah? Um, and ultimately, it's what's that script about and what's the story? Um, and if you have nothing at all, how can you create, you know, uh, obviously, for people to want to invest into it? Um, 
that's why I come back to the fundamental of that. So look, when we first started, we, we really did have nothing. I did a lot, a lot of deep research. And that you can do. You can do, you know. Um, and once you have that, you can, you can write your own very, very clear script. And when you have that, um, and then what we did was we then did, once we had the research, we then, you know, uh, wrote some, at the time, pilot programs, some short programs to test it. Um, and so from that, we kind of like tested that. And when we tested it, we then took it to market uh, to kind of like, in a way, pilot test it with a small audience. Yeah? Uh, and at that stage, we were able to generate a little bit of income from testing it with a small audience. Um, and then when that you know, uh, was successful, suddenly, obviously, you have people who want to invest and, and support you. Um, not too dissimilar to you know, getting a movie up, <laughs> yes. Um, and then obviously I was so blessed when um, I mentioned earlier, Professor Alan Snyder, uh, who had, you know, when we had nothing, and he's like a fellow of the Royal Society. And if you don't know what, who were in the leagues of the fellow of the Royal Society, uh, Einstein, Newton is in the league of that, <laughs> of the fellow of the Royal Society. And he, you know, he's made breakthrough for mankind, three different fields. In fact, the very fact that we have the internet today and he won the Marconi Prize for that. Uh, Marconi Prize is equivalent to the kind of like the Nobel Prize in telecommunications. And um, he made breakthroughs in many fields, including telecommunication. Um, so to, to better have him come and join us, um, people always say, how did we manage to do that? And I suppose it's similar in, in the movie world. How do you get the A, a great star to want to be part of your you know, story? You've got to have a great script. Um, and so when he came on board as a scientist, you know, then the bar was at that level. And we were able to get the best of the best researchers from education, from you know, psychology, from you know, uh, neuroscience to join us uh, to, to come together and create something so unique because suddenly it was no longer just about what we make. It was about telling this story and wanting to change education globally. It became larger than us. And so suddenly it wasn't about the money it wasn't about you know what we can pay people because the people like Prof Snyder and all these incredible you know scientific world leaders in their field was not about the money. In fact, if they don't believe in the story, that no matter what you pay them, they still won't do it. Yeah, but, yeah. And so therefore, first and foremost, you know, it was about finding the clarity of that. And so I, 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 you know, that was so obviously so clear in the in in the theater and the movie world. So I brought that to the business world uh, to make sure that um, you know we had absolute depth of clarity of research of what we're doing. And then how do we write this script and cast the right people? Uh, and and from that you know we brought it to Singapore and um, tested here. Uh, but by that stage we did have solid research, and because we had the research, it catapulted us mm. to separate us. In fact, when we came to Singapore. I said to the team that, um, you know, very few of us back then, I said, um, we're not just, if we were at the Olympics, we're not just at the starting line. And in business, the first 100 meters is a sprint. <laughs> if you don't make it through that, uh, you're left behind already. Uh, and I said that, you know, we're not just at the starting line. We're, we're, we're 30 years, 30 years behind some of the most established preschool brands of Singapore. Yeah. And, and there are 
you know, established brands have been around for more than 30 years. I said, we're 30 years behind. How are we not just going to catch up? That's one thing. Then, and then overtake and take the number one. It was clear. Take the number one premium preschool space of Singapore uh, and overtake that and take the number one position, which is what we've done. We, we actually, in um, Singapore, we hold 38.5% of the premium range of Singapore preschool market space. Uh, and then became the first and the only to be publicly listed on the main board of uh, the Stock Exchange of Singapore. Yeah? Um, so I would say that some of the fundamental principles that I learned in both theater and cinema, uh, like you said, because the training there is, is fantastic. And in fact, I, I studied both theater and cinema for about seven years. Um, and to this very day, I would say that um, the core of who we are is about having that clarity, you know, of being able to create a model that can scale by having clarity of that story. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Okay. So this is going to be the last question. So I wanted to ask you, a lot of companies mm. were very shocked when COVID-19 happened because it was like a, something that they never expected. Yeah. But now most companies, big companies, right, they have a blueprint to refer to if something like that ever happens again. So what was what did MindChamps do? Hmm. And what are your going to be your next kind of like go-to methods if something like this does recur again, you know? Mm -hmm. Ah, okay, yes. So what's our preparation if there is another global pandemic? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, look, um, for us, obviously, uh, to be prepared, as I mentioned, deeply as a mindset that, you know, obviously things will continue to disrupt. How can we con continually to be dis you know, resilient and flexible and, you know, ready to evolve quickly, yeah? Uh, obviously, some of the fundamentals which we put in place uh, are the entire system of how to engage, obviously, online, yeah? I mean, I, I, I mean most companies have done that. Um, but what we also did was we make sure that we created a training to train the teachers. Because, and I said this to the team at the time, I said that, you know, um, teaching and training online, uh, again, it's a bit like in the theater world, acting on stage, live in the classroom, is very different to acting to camera. <laughs> yes, yeah, there's a different craft. When you're acting to camera, uh, there's a different, slightly different craft to acting live on stage. So we make sure that all of our teachers got extra training on how to engage on camera. Yeah? Um, because obviously the technology is there and everybody has the same technology. But whether you, know, you engage or not, uh, that's, that's a different space. Sure? So therefore, we were very big on preparing the mindset and the training of all of our team to be able to maximize uh, and you know, the technology in a way that where engagement is more critical. So we've been investing quite uh, a lot on that space to make sure that obviously our online space is uh, not just ever ready, but in terms of creating something that's far more engaging and training the whole entire team yeah, to be prepared for that. Uh, and creating our own uh, few studios so that we can engage students using multiple cameras yeah, uh, as well. And so those are the things that um, you know we put in place. But I would say ultimately, yeah, it's about leadership and training leaders and what we call at MindChamps 360 degree leadership. So from the, every person is a leader within their own space. 
we even have this uh, acronym called CIC. Like who's the CIC, which is stands for Commander in Charge. So every single person is the commander in charge of their area. You are the leader of that. Take charge. Yeah. So we train that mindset. So if everybody has that mindset to be the leader in the area of charge, they can then be empowered to keep on evolving. Yeah. And you know, coming up with new strategic creative ways to obviously uh, operate and to create yeah um, so that's one of the things that we've done to program not just the skill set but to nurture the mindset of our team i think that's far more critical that's the most valuable commodity in the 21st century right in fact prof snyder said this he said that um what makes a champion yeah, it's not the skill set what makes a champion is the champion mindset and it's a champion mindset that's a transferable commodity, not the skill itself. Like you mentioned earlier, some of the industries, AI, if you're only very good at, like, for example, you know, uh, typing and you know, programming certain things, so AI can outdo that skill set fast. So it's not the skill set, it's the mindset that is the transferable commodity. And therefore, what we heavily invest in is nurturing the most valuable commodity, the mindset of our team. Okay, but I have a follow-up question. That I got a lot of complaints from parents mm. saying that online learning is not suitable for young kids because mm. they don't have attention span. Yeah. And usually during the pandemic, pandemic, the parents were also at home working from home. So they had a hard time mm. juggling full-time work. And then on top of that, they had to look after the kids Yes. to make sure the kids were engaged with the online tutoring. So mm. how did you overcome that? How does MindChamp overcome mm. short atten attention span for children? They cannot, they cannot do online training like university students, you see. Mm. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, that, that's a very good point. In fact, obviously, for, for the early years, you know, preschool, it is ideal to be live, obviously, you know, for young children. Having said that, during the pandemic, when we ran online uh, and activities and and, and, and lessons, yeah? Sincerely, we, we, because we train our teachers on in, how to engage, as I mentioned, just because you're a great teacher in the classroom doesn't mean you can engage online. Uh, and when, but when you learn the craft of engagement online and we use special ways to engage them with certain tools, the children at home were actually far more engaged. Yeah? Um, and in fact, it was amazing. Most of the parents said that by the time even though the pandemic and it was fully locked down, uh, at a certain you know time when the child is you know online, they, the parents said the child was totally engaged, and they would be with the teacher and, and and connect with other children, and they would feel like they're in the classroom. Yeah, so it's truly about training our, our educators, our teachers, how to engage. Okay, in fact, you can have like I mentioned, you know, you can have the same script, you know, and you can have the same technology shooting thing. You can have a hundred million dollar, you know, special effects movie, but if you don't engage uh, by creating incredible, you know, um, characters that engage the curiosity, the relationships, you feel nothing. True. Um, so it's not too dissimilar to that. But um, obviously, uh, for most parents, yeah, uh, yes, they do need to work. So therefore, during you know the full day. It is still ideal to be, you know, in an environment when children can, can literally physically play with other children and learn together. That social, emotional, 
you know, engagement is critical. Yeah, uh, but you know, obviously during lock lockdown, you know, we still have to be able to engage the students at home. So, but um, what we can say to you is that our parents were, were you know, they were very grateful <laughs> that we could engage the, the children for those hours. And in fact, most of them, especially in Singapore, uh, all of our um, what we call champs, they wear uh, the mind champs uh, uniform. And the parents would say to us that the moment the child just even at home, the moment at you know at 9 a.m. when they put on a uniform and they hear the teacher's voice online, they they they're already there. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, and yet at home they're just running around. <laughs> yes. Uh, why? Because the mindset of learning is positive at my champs. So the moment they hear the voice of the teacher, it's a positive feeling. Mm -hmm. So non-consciously, they're already wow. I want to learn. Yeah, we have many children, you know, who come to our preschool, and when the parents pick them up, you know, um, you know, and um, sincerely, I, I I went into the lift uh, of our um, uh, head, head headquarters once, and when I was going downstairs, um, there was a child who was grand his grandfather came to pick him up, and um, as we're going down the lift, I could hear him just like almost crying, complaining to his granddad, why why you pick me up so early? Why are you picking me up so early today? <laughs> yes, because, yeah, because he loves learning there. Mm -hmm. And just like us, the, the moment we have a positive relationship to something, I mean, if you, if you have a positive relationship with a person and you meet up with each other, you know, you just share everything and you want to, you engage with each other. But if you don't have a positive relationship with another person, you see each other, there's not much to talk about. Sure. So learning is the same. It's about how do we nurture that, you know, uh, whether it's online or at home. And it's not about screen time, because we're not talking about playing games on a computer game all, the whole day. We're talking about live interaction with the teacher and other children. Yeah? In fact, we, uh, what was amazing as well was during um, that period, the pandemic, we had our children here with our teacher in Singapore and our children in Australia live at the same time where they had two teachers on both sides and the children would be able to interact with each other yeah uh, the children in singapore would be sharing the unique things about singapore culture and the children in our, our young champs in sydney centers of mind champ centers in sydney were able to share the unique you know cultural things about australia and the engagement between each other truly was inspiring to see young children of four or five years old discussing concepts with each other on the other side of the world you know, um, and that's what really engaged them, sure. Um, and but we have to train the teachers how to lead that whole process, not just put them on screen and watch each other. You know, so it's not just about screen time; it's about interactive engagement, creating curiosity. Awesome answer. And it, Thank and I would you. say in business is the same. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's all the time that we have for today. Uh, uh, thank you so much for joining us, David Chem and sharing your inspiring stories and insights into uh, the Mind Champs movement. So, uh, yeah, so David, uh, uh, it's truly amazing to see how you've turned an idea uh, into a global movement that's changing the education landscape worldwide. So I wish you continued success in your future yeah. endeavors, and we hope our listeners will have a good learning, uh, 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 learn something valuable today. So stay tuned. For more exciting guests and topics on our podcast, thank you.